No, I definitely thought you was ducking me because I, I seen you on um like a failed podcast show, and I'm like, if he's doing this, he's ducking all the big boys. Oh, <laughs> starting really off with jabs. <laughs> I'm like, yo, how did they get this guy? Like, I'm like, what's going on? But nah, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm tuned in. I follow your page, and by the looks of your page, I didn't know if you knew who I was. You know what I'm saying? Because, yeah. you know, I never see any representation, so I was like, damn, I gotta, I gotta introduce myself to academics so he's familiar with my work yo you got to cut it out first and foremost (laughs) um i I think number one and i'm pretty sure lake told you and we're gonna get to it uh i used to be a big hater of jack harlow you know what i mean oh oh oh, trust me i'm i'm very familiar i'm very aware big hater of him man yeah but but anyway let, let me introduce uh listen Yo, uh, it's, it's your boy DJ Academics. I'm here for another episode of Off the Record Podcast. And I actually even know, you know what I mean? I don't even know if people still, like, have a problem with me having the DJ in my name. But I have a real DJ in a <laughs> building, okay? The guy who goes by the moniker Mr. Thanksgiving. You have about, like, five of them. What, what else they call you? Uh, we could go for days. Mr. Thanksgiving, Drama F. Kennedy, Drama Cruz, Barocco Drama, um, Drama Brady. Oh, my God. The man of many nicknames. But some might just simply know him as DJ Drama or the guy who's cashing all the checks off, Uzi and Jack Harlow, man. God damn it, man. Hey. Just just um, a third of the checks. Just a third. Yeah. Well, well, I, I just want to say, and I, I got to start off hot here. Man, I used to be such a big hater of um Jack Harlow. We remember. I remember when you brought him, like, you first start, like, showing him to people. I'm like, yo, man, get this guy on out of here, man. And it was very unfair. It was very unfair, and I did come back around, right? Um, you did. I'm, I'm wondering how, uh, how's the executive life? Because I mean, you kind of always been in executive life, uh, in the executive life. But I'm, I'm wondering, is it putting out projects or kind of help bringing up artists? That's like, you know, with Generation Now, that's like your, your passion project at this point because you're doing both. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, bro, I, I love it all. Like. You know, it's it's I'm a man of many hats, no pun intended, but you know, it all plays a, a factor and a role in my career. Like, you know, like you said, like in a sense, even with the Gangster Girls tapes early on, like it was somewhat of an executive AR type of role because you know, I was breaking artists through gangster grills or introducing the world to to new talents and new voices and new faces. But you know, I mean, I definitely love to see the success of like of watching like a young budding talent or artist like come through our door and tell us their vision and dreams and then watch them become, you know, one of, you know, some of the biggest like stars in the game, you know what I'm saying? So that part definitely watching other people successful is I get a lot of thrill and enjoyment out of that too. But I also like, you know, being drum, like, you know, putting out projects and, and, you know, moving and grooving. And, you know, I think this last like, two and a half years or, you know, just two years, whatever the time span has been that, you know, I, I've just been on this run. It's just been everything all together. Like it's it's just been a hell of a journey, you know, cause I've, you know, we could argue like this might be the hottest I've ever been, you know, we're definitely comparable to moments when I've been scorching with gangster grills and, you know, Oh seven, Oh six times or whatever. And now I have all this legacy behind me and it's like, 
you know, I'm 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 gonna be 45 this year. Like, not everyone gets this opportunity or this time to after that long in the game have still have this momentum. So I'm I'm taking full advantage. You you know you've been in the game a long time when we could actually possibly debate about when you've been the hottest. It could be now. It could be back in 0607, as you said. But it also remember when you were putting out you're putting out records. You put a record with Drake. I remember I remember then yeah. you put out a record with um. Drake and Future, we in this bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I remember during that time, I said, damn, yo, this dude is creating the brand of just not only being the guy who's the fucking intro, but he's putting out records. Like, these are records. Right. And, um, yeah, by the way, random thought that came to my mind, but I, it, you come to my mind also because of that. Yesterday, um, everyone yeah. thought it was the end of the era. With yeah. Piff. yeah. They said, yo, yeah. done. You missed the mixtape. You feel me? Like you're, you're yeah. the you're definitely on that Mount Rushmore of making mixtapes a thing and so important in, in in a culture. What did you think? Obviously, it wasn't real because they right. can't. Now nah, we still here, but what does back then mean to you? I remember a picture of you in cups for fucking selling mixtape mixtapes, bro. <laughs> um, when I when I saw that, it it kind of like it kind of hurt because. You know, I talk about it all the time. Like that's a that's an era and uh, a space and a time that has so much nostalgia. Like you know, so many people have memories of of those years and those mixtapes. And you know, they're not accessible and available to everybody. Like everyone doesn't necessarily know how to maybe go listen to a dedication or a. Uh, of random gangster grills from the early 2000s, you know, and those sites like all that 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 um that work lives there, and not even just my stuff, but so many mixtapes and artists' projects and and what have you that aren't on the DSPs. So it's like when I saw when I saw that, and thankfully it wasn't true, but it was like damn, like we could really go on and move on into the future with like all this this body of work, all this material. And it'd be like a lost art, you know what I'm saying? Be like a a, a lost time in, in space in our hip hop history without it existing, you know what I mean? And it's like, and it's it's been kind of like something for me, even like just with my catalog, been been working on and in the process of bringing some of those classics and some of those tapes to the DSPs where they can live in a space where they can be available for everybody, you know what I mean? But like that piff is like a pivotal part of mixtape culture and of hip-hop you know what i mean where you know now everyone the that what what people what we've brought back with the feel of the mixtape like you know for a long time the, the word mixtape was almost used like because people were scared of the word album so they would just call it a mixtape you know what i mean and i come from a i come from an era where like no a mixtape meant like having a dj and the bells and the whistles and runbacks and you know however whatever and you know what i'm saying and now we're restoring that feeling but you know losing that would have been terrible yeah no i i could imagine I, i'm wondering when you see how just easy and accessible music is and also the fact that essentially nobody even wants to call their music mixtapes anymore but you've actually been there where like man like i i, I just remember like piracy was a thing right like it's not even a thing anymore like uh, uh, i think that's what they like rated you for like right bootlegging and racketeering yeah they rated me for bootlegging and racketeering it was like there was a law called the true name law where they said like if you sell it a a a, a um recording 
a music recording item or whatever, it has to have like an address on the back of the physical CD. And remember at that time, mixtapes had like black back covers yeah. and then like all the information would be on the inside. So that was the little like law that they got me on. But, you know, they really, they really came at me like I was on some Al Capone shit. Like, you know, they like it. <laughs> like they, you know, M16s asked where the guns and the drugs are and, you know, you know, it was on some shit. And I was like, nigga, I'm, you know, everything I do, I'm I'm doing directly with the artists or it's sanctioned by the label. So the whole shit was crazy. And it definitely like changed the game, changed the mixtape game. No, of course. Um, Like when we think about mixtapes, 100% we think about Wayne. And I think sometimes people forget, like, for example, we just seen the, the whole list about, you know, the top 50 greatest, you know, mm-hmm. of all time. And I do believe that one of the reasons um, that people aren't in more of an uproar, he clearly said something about it, mm-hmm. um, about Wayne being ranked so lowly is because not all of his mixtapes are on DSPs. So people don't know about that. One. And, and like, you know, how historic that was. Yeah. Yeah. I never, I didn't even give that any thought. That's crazy because when people do talk about Wayne, they definitely talk about like how legendary his mixtape run is and his mixtape series from the dedications with me to the drought to the sorry for the wait. Like he's, he's had an impeccable album run with the Carters and then an impeccable mixtape run with various, you know, um, uh, series, including mine. Like, you know, I, I, I could say that dedication too can arguably be go down as one of the greatest mixtapes of all time like you know a mixtape wayne mixtape wheezy was was a problem but yeah just in general you know how those lists go act like they're always going to start chattering it's it's hard because we're talking about 50 years so like it's hard to put a make a list that include goes from a, a guy like little wayne to a guy like Melly Mel or Curtis Blow, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's almost like you got to do it in uh, generations for it to even make sense. Like there's no way everyone's going to be satisfied or be able to agree. It's just, it's impossible. Yeah, so speaking of like, you're right. Where, where does Wayne go on your list? Oh, um, so your top five. So top five all time? You're, going, you're going Drake first. Yeah. Drake definitely first. So Drake is first. Drake first. Um, I think I go J second. J second. I go I go J second. I think Wayne is either third or fourth on my list. I I, I forgot if I had um. I think I might have Biggie, but but, but Biggie's not above Wayne for me. Like I have like the new age yeah. list. Like usually people have like that that four. You got to like a newer a, a newer generation and an older generation list. Okay, so so and I remember I tweeted out. So I'm I'm probably saying the wrong well not the wrong thing. Like it's changing now that I have to think of it on the spot. Drake. Um, Drake J. Actually, I think I might went Drake Nas. I kid you not. Wow. Like, I, I have a lot of respect just for Nas's pen, and, and I remember saying, "We're thinking about greatest rappers." Right, 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 right. Um, Andre on yours? Nah, he don't make mine. It, it's not the top five, like top gotcha. ten. Yeah, like, so top five is like it's so coveted. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I have Wayne at like either third or fourth. I have Big in there, and um. Who, I, who's my who's my fifth? I can't remember. I tweeted it out though. Was it a, was somebody newer or somebody older? I've been somebody newer. What? You know why I've been more comfortable with saying it because I used to feel like I used to give the wrong top 
five. Like I wouldn't give a top five. That's not my top five. But you oh, know, like people would be like, the top oh, five that you think that people want to hear. Yeah, yeah. So it's like I would yeah. give a top five of what people would respect, but no, it you... wouldn't be true to me because I've always I'm like I've regarded Drake as being really good from early on. But I was like, a lot of the game at that time didn't didn't kind of put him up there. They're like, oh, so you want to put him number there. one? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so I'd be like, yo, I I look like a fraud co-signing it. So I wouldn't yeah. tell my real opinion. But I think music is like caught up now where just contemporary wise, like people understand that, you know, there's new artists doing their thing and just amazing. For sure. Really belong on the same list with a notorious B.I.G. or 100%. You know yeah. I mean? Or shoot, like you could have a list that Rock Kim is on it, but you also have a Drake. Like it, it both could exist. So, what do you what do you think about Kendrick being number two? I don't have Kendrick on top five, bro. Uh. And I'm gonna tell you why I don't have Kendrick on top five. Um because again, I go by generations. And obviously it, it has been a one-two thing with him and Drake for this generation. But I've 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 just I've always been critical of just not getting enough work uh material. Got you. Yeah, because it's more, it, more quality over quantity, like yeah. You know, but but yeah, at like, times I feel like he's he's not present in the culture. I, I feel like he's kind of been absent. Yeah, you know? um we go five years without an album. Like I call him the Kawhi of the game. You know what I mean? Kawhi's mm -hmm. still a legend, mm -hmm. but there has to be something made that we're we we're going these long stretches without albums. Now, if we rank the top fifty albums of all time, Kendrick's um, gonna have if, a couple of them in there. Yeah, if you ask me, in my top ten, definitely top fifteen, he's gonna have two to three, right? You know, uh, you know, I, I thought to pimp a butterfly was just one of the most um, technically sound, great one of the greatest rap albums of all time. Obviously, with um, uh, Good Kid, Mad City, and obviously, Damn, Damn was pretty much a, Damn is a classic. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, that's pretty much what I think about it. What do you think? No, I I, I agree with you in a sense. Like, I don't know if Kendrick would have been in my top five. Um, my top, my one, I battle between Hove and Drake. You know, I I think honestly, when it's all said and done. I think Drake's gonna wind up being one for sure, you know. Um, um, but they're definitely like they're 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 definitely top notch. And then, but it's like five is it's tough, man, because again, like you said, like we're we're making a list that has to include fucking Biggie and like a J. Cole, you know what I'm saying? But all right, if I if I just right now, off the top of my head, top five, I'm going. I'm going Jay, Drake, Wayne, mm. 3000, and Big. The 3000 gets the the same thing Kendrick gets for me, where it's like, yo, amazing. Oh, what he's giving us is so fucking amazing. You're right. But 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 I, I needed like I needed like a solo project or two. I, I mean, but but we're talking about Big, who you know really only gave us two. Bodies of work. Still too. <laughs> you get what I mean? Like, like I, I'm judging them off. 3,000 has more. 3,000 3, and Kendrick have more more content out there than Big Mike, honestly. Well, what we have to realize in hip-hop, the uh, maybe not so much now, but I still think even now, the a cohesive album mattered, right? So it's like, okay, great. When, when we talk about 3,000, we're probably going to be 
judging a lot of outcast works, which was sometimes that wasn't even meant to be the, the, the goal of what they were trying to do. You get what I mean? But there's particular mm-hmm. records that we could pinpoint and be like, this guy is just fucking amazing. While with Biggie, like he put together th- that project, at mm-hmm. least, well, I'm not too sure how, how much the one that got released after he died, yeah. um, how much that changed after he died. But that first project was just fucking just amazing. Yeah, no. And Life After Death, too. Yeah. And you know, a guy who I don't feel like gets an, an, enough credit even when we talk top five is Snoop. Like, I feel like Snoop doesn't. Like, Snoop is literally, the like, Snoop's the most famous rapper on the planet. Point blank, period. And he's been here for, what, four decades, you know? Like, obviously, maybe not today. He's not putting out the the type of content that we got with Doggy Style and The Chronic in the 90s, but he's still here. You know what I'm saying? Like. I believe Snoop doesn't get that because he doesn't position himself or demand that. But also, when we look at a lot of these lists, um, we kind of penalize the people who stick around. You get mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we go through these lists, the the people who we we have to think about, like, oh shoot, yeah, Big died after you know two projects. But imagine if he was here. Let's just take his talent here. We're going to extrapolate it and we're going to project it. We give those people kind of like a bump because if that's how they were at that age, whatever, whatever. But Snoop's is here. Like, you know, I mean, I'm not even sure how old he is, but we kind of we kind of like leave him out of conversations. Yeah. Which which I think is kind of foul because um, because I was future on the list. Future on my list. No, or just on the where was he on the billboard list? I don't know, man. It probably like, was he even in the top 20? Matter of fact, let me pull up this list right now. Billboard top 50. I think they had like Nikki at 10. What'd you think about that? Nikki at 10. I respect it. You know, I think that where where female rap is today is in a a, a, a space that it's never been in the history of hip hop. And a lot of that is because of Nicki Minaj. So one, you know, we're taking her as a lyricist, her as a songwriter, and then her from an impact standpoint, like, you know, she put the game first where where she, when she was in her position, there was nobody could come close or touch her. And then from that, she inspired a generation of female rap to where like in today's society, like, you know, there's arguments that, you know, female rap is better than male rap, you know what I mean? Or more hit records than complete cap, by the way. Definitely cap. Hey, oh yeah, this list was bullshit. I just realized I pulled it up. Yeah, they got Jada at 46. Ain't no way. Ain't no I, way. You got what? Jada kiss at 46. I'm not going. I'm not I'm like yeah, I, I forgot. Yeah, like, Hold on, Jada's at 46, and then what? Where's like Melly Mel with all due respect? Like uh Melly Mel is actually 48. So who's before Jada? So uh we got uh we got Queen Latifah, Bun B, Redman, E40. Here's the thing, too, though, because all these people are legend. You forgot how many great people have came through, you yeah, know, beautiful hip hop years. Dr. Dre at 40, but I guess like this is rappers, right? Dr. Dre is not a better rapper than Jadakiss. I agree. Like, you know, yeah, that's like, 
If we're talking Ludacris at 39, and they have Gucci at 38. I don't think Gucci. Gucci I, don't, I don't think Gucci better rides better than better than Luda. Luda's nasty. Yeah, Gucci might not be a better rapper than Bun B. Well, I don't think it's about rapping ability because Future's at thirty five. <laughs> even though I think Future can rap, like Future can rap, but come on now, like they got Future thirty five over Jada Kiss. Like, uh, come on, yeah. what are we talking about right now? Yeah, so I think wild. they're looking into career a little bit too. Yeah, that's wild. Those lists are wild. Anyway, interestingly enough, and and. and you know, you started Generation Now. Yeah. I've always wondered why I've never seen you push the type of artists I could imagine you you would listen to. <laughs> like, what would what do you mean? Like, like well, I, I would imagine like an artist like Wayne, somebody who's a little bit more lyrical, like somebody who's leading with lyrics and bars. You get what but, I mean? But, you know, I mean... With all due respect, like Vert is somebody okay. he, he can really rap. You know this. No, like, no, no. Look, I do know this, but this you know, is not why. This is not what made you be like, oh, I'm gonna like rock with this guy and, and and your belief in him. Like we know his musical palette includes rap, but it's much more than that. And it, it, I guess I'm just trying to ask how you derive to, you know, even someone like Vert to be like, yo. Yeah, maybe I like when he raps, but I know the whole world's gonna like when he do, does his other things. I just, I just always been out out the box for my whole career. Like what people have have, have might assume for me. Like I think that you know part of my success has has been in going against the grain. Like even early on, like when I started Gangster Grills, then I went and did a Pharrell tape or a Little Brother tape, like niggas didn't see that coming, you know what I'm saying? Or, you know, being the guy who created Gangsta Grills and then, you know, also starting a label and signing like a little Uzi Vert and a Jack Harlow, like, you know, that that's left field, you know what I'm saying? Or doing a Gangsta Grills with Tyler, the creator, you know what I mean? Like, you know, throughout my career, I, I think that I've always just been, you know, I feel like a director. I feel like Martin Scorsese, so I can make a, a, a gangster flick one day and then make a you know a suspense thriller the next day and then make a a, a period piece one day and make the romantic comedy like it's just all about the directions we I want to go in so you know like when we started the label we didn't we weren't like okay this is this is the ain't like the label's not called gangster grills you know what I mean it's called generation now and you know to be honest like what better artists than someone like a Uzi to launch a, a record label called Generation Now with someone, you know, that at the time was a, a young kid who had the eyes, ears, and, you know, from the youth, you know what I mean? He he represented the youth more than anything. Nah, th th that makes perfect sense. And I definitely want to ask a few more questions about um, Uzi, but wait, we're going back. Hey, did you ever get like publishing or anything off of them? Like Gangsta Grills, like the early ones. I'm not talking about like, obviously... Like I'm talking about early on, um nah, that shit was the wild wild west. Oh, for real? Yeah, it was no publishing. What? There was no, <laughs> no paper, no paperwork for that shit. I just was I got fucking I got paid from the from the wholesale <laughs> boxes that we were pushing. Other than that, nah, there was there was no money, there was no publishing or points or anything. 
Hey, top three gangster grill tapes. Top three gangster grill tapes. Uh, call me if you get lost. Um, trap or die. Dedication to. Okay, okay, that makes what sense. You, what you think? Um, I'm I'm, I'm gonna say so. Dedication to definitely. Trap or die. Um, and I'm probably going with. Shit, it's gonna be another Wayne one. Um, I'm oh, no. probably gonna no. be. My dude, sorry for the wait. Well, that's not a gangster girls. It's not. No, only only Little Wayne gangster girls with all dedications. Oh, it have to be dedications. But you know, you're you're not thinking you're not thinking about none of the Gucci Man tapes, the movie. The Dream Chaser series, whoa, 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 the whoa, whoa. Fab, no competition, Chris so, Brown in my zone. Like, well, I'm not gonna be thinking because really, I just associated with you with Wayne. Like, nigga, I was told like y'all were like a, a group. <laughs> as, a, as a kid, I used to. I remember when he um he rapped something on Rap City, and the 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 song that he rapped it was, it was so crazy, but it was on your tape. And and I remember every time I would listen to the real version. All I just kept hearing was the fucking drop all the time, man. You know what I mean? No, no. Um, I don't know. What songs are on Dedication Three? Um, Dedication Three had Dick Pleaser. I got a bitch named Keisha. She a real Dick Pleaser. Yeah. So wanted to be the. Um, that was on there. That was really like the real introduction to Young Money. So, um. Him and Drake was on there. Him rapping on the artist storytelling, the Outcast record I had. He rapped on that beat on there. And this is just a mixtape. Okay, fucking these holes. Uh, 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 uh. It was it, dedication three has some shit on it. Dedication one, yeah, one, two, and three are all fire for sure. You, oh, you know what? You know what? And I'm gonna depart from Wayne, but I'm gonna go with the one you have with Chains. The one you have with Chains. Like, that shit was... True oh, Religion. Great one. Great one. Hold on. Is that a... Is that a, That's like an album, though. Great. I mean, a lot of them are like albums. True... Yeah, definitely was like an album. True Religion is a great one. I'm glad you brought that up. I haven't been mentioning that recently. And I need to make sure to mention True Religion, because that was a fucking classic. Hmm. Yeah, know? so... Oh, anyway, by the way, uh, um, I heard 50 talking about mixtapes. I was watching some old interview, and he was talking about just like mixtapes and like the importance of it. And my timeline on the, on the importance and just how mixtapes kind of like spread, where do you credit 50 with like, you know, um, just kind of branded mixtapes as the things that like an artist does to kind of get popping? Where do you think about that? When I, when I think about mixtapes, like just the word mixtapes, I think about mixtapes pre 50 cent and then mixtapes post 50 Cent. So like 50 was literally a turning point in mixtape culture. Like his domination, his the way he um, approached mixtapes. One, like you got to think before fifth, niggas used to just like freestyle on other people's beats. Like they would just rap. Then fifth came along and not only did he rap on somebody's beat, but he made whole new songs on your beat to the point where niggas will play those versions in the club. And then from there, he wouldn't just put one or two songs of his on everybody's mixtapes. He was making his whole 
mixtape all him. So like 50 Cent is the future would come out and it would literally be just a whole body of work. So it would literally be like the big, that was the beginning of like street albums in a sense. So he killed the demo tape. Like before that, everybody would want to get the demo to the label to try to get signed and shit like that. After fifth, it was like, well, what's your mixtape hustle? Like, where's your mixtape at? So, you know, even everything that Gangsta Grills is known for now, like, as these 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 albums you know that all comes from the 50 cent blueprint so like literally like that's how i view mixtapes in general like there was the time and the space before fifth and then fifth came along and changed the game forever when it came to mixtapes yeah no no i agree i agree i agree um all right anyway back back to the uh the uzi questions i got for y'all for y'all man um so uh number one because the fans are on my ass. I don't know why they think your fans think that like I have the secret release date to everybody's album. Like I'll go live and I'll stream and people be like, yo, tell us when Uzi's dropping pink tape. Tell us when Cardi's dropping some. I'm like, I don't know. Like they're not calling me up like, yo, Ack is dropping this day. Don't tell them. I don't know what, 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 what these things are happening. Um, well, they know you have direct relationships. So they probably think you, you know, you have daily conversation with rappers. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Well, I mean, I do, but but like yeah. it, it's never and and I would imagine it would be annoying if it was like, yo, when this is dropping, like the right. creative process is such a different, different and difficult one. Like, I mean, you remember during the whole saga lead up to Eternal Take? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm pretty sure at times, like you know, you were like, all right, cool, we got the product, and maybe he comes back and says, no, that's right. not it. Let's do something else or wait up, like. How how interesting is that process or how much patience do you need to have? A lot, a lot of patience. Definitely, I think with younger artists because they aren't, you know, they don't come from the, the days of having to turn in music so in advance. So you would have to get it to print and like, you know, to actually make a physical product you know you if you're a certain caliber of artist these days you know you can literally turn your project in at fucking thursday at 10 o'clock and it could drop that night at midnight and you know go on all the dsps you know what i'm saying so you know and being in business being on the other side from a label perspective like you definitely have to have a lot of patience because it can come down you can set a date and, you know, it could be the deliverables to when it's supposed to get to the DSPs and, you know, make it for this date. But a lot of things still can can change in 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 crunch time. And then, you know, we're in a, a, a time and a space where even after projects drop, artists can go back and still make little tweaks and, you know, uh, additions to the project after it's even been released. You know what I'm saying? So you know, you, you, you definitely have to have some level of composure, but, you know, obviously having a good team in place and, uh, and good structure 
of handling everything on the business side and making sure, you know, all the T's are crossed and I's are dotted or are complete is, is good. You know, I'm wondering how you deal with that because so Uzi signed through generation now, but also Atlantic is in the picture. Atlantic is probably saying, yo, we got to get a project out every so, so often we're trying to get these profit margins, baby. Like what's going on? Right. But the artist is probably telling you like they have their own schedule, but you kind of have to be halfway either way. And also uh, um, maybe some A&R in other project too. Like how is, uh, how do you deal with those pressures or is it ever a time you're like, yo, listen, man, yo, I don't care what you like. It's been a couple of years or it's been this amount of time. We got to get something in by here. Mm -hmm. It's like deadline. This is a business at the end of the day. A hundred percent. And you know how labels are like, that's what they care about. Like, you know, the, the, the bottom line, you know what I mean? Or, you know, getting, getting the hit records out, you know, and you just kind of like, I, I think that, you know, based upon our track record and, you know, our consistency, you know, we're in a space that they understand that, you know, we want to put out good quality work, you know what I'm saying? And especially when you have a artist like Uzi, who is not a conventional artist, like even the way, he puts music like like what Uzi and and you know this from like like following his career from some time. It's it's not like the best way for him has always been like all right, let's pick a single, let's drop this, and then go into the album cycle. You know what I mean? Like he'll put a a bunch of songs out, and you know one will catch, or he'll put a project out, and then out of left field something else will catch. And then, you know, we'll be right here where we are, where I just want to rock. So you kind of just kind of, you know, got to know how to play the game. But at the same time, like, you know, don't let the game play you. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. Hey, are, 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 are you still beef with Rock Nation, man? Because they be, I beef with them too. Um, No, nah, not at all. I mean, you know, it, it never really was like, I don't know if beef was the right word. You know, I think like the issue that that we had about the rock nation situation was that like the, the the way the narrative like when uzi chose to go to rock nation for management you know and then there was this kind of like one this like free uzi campaign and then there was like this narrative as if like rock nation saved uzi almost for, almost from like some culture vultures or like some like some, some horrible people. Yeah, like some horrible record label that had him in some crazy slave deal or something. And it was just like, you know, that that really kind of didn't sit well with us. You know, me, Lake and Cannon being, first of all, like I'm DJ Drama. That's Don Cannon. Like what we're what we've given to the game and, you know, what we've been a part of through our own history and legacy. And then beyond that, like we're three young black men who literally met in college, you know, and had hip hop aspirations and dreams and made them come true. You know what I'm saying? Like we're not culture vultures. We're not the bad guys. Like, you know, so just the fact that the, you know, the the, the narrative was painted or the picture was was painted as if like we were we had did something wrong or you know weren't or were the bad guys in the situation like that never sat well with us you know and like especially coming from somebody who's been a a, a long life Jay Z fan you know what I mean and it it, it could have clearly been some 
uh, communication or dialogue where, you know, it just didn't have to play out in the media that way, you know? So um, I definitely wouldn't call it a, a beef by any, any means, but, you know, I still really, we haven't really had those conversations, you know? I mean, we, we, we all work. Our, our goal is, is all in accordance to have Vert be as successful as can be and, you know, have the best rollouts and, you know, the, the highest charting songs. And so we all, we all have the same visions when it comes to little Uzi Vert, but outside of that, you know, um, yeah, we, I don't really have much relations with them. Hey, I, I mean, you knew what it was though. Like, I mean, Rock Nation, it was trying to steal your artist. That's what it was trying to do. Like, stop playing. Like, I, I know you're being nice and <laughs> you're trying to color it up. Yeah, like, I mean, they're trying to steal your artists and they're going to paint you out. And I ain't going to lie, I didn't believe it for a second because they, they do it. They, it's easier to do to black people, by the way, to be like, yo, he's he don't pay them. He's not paying the artists. He's robbing them. And for whatever reason that, you know, even, you know, people have the same complaints about every label at certain times. But when it comes to like black men or people of color, it's almost like, Oh shit, he's doing like look at look at how Birdman's reputation went. It's like you you will definitely run with those narratives more than oh hearing that he's doing good business. You know yeah, that, I mean? that's the disheartening part about it. Like more than anything, like you really hit it on the head. Like yo, like huh? Like we're three college kids who who made good for ourselves. Like don't don't put us in that box. Like you know what I'm saying, and then. You know, like you said, like respectfully, we built a label and a management company that, you know, grinded from the mud with these artists. You know what I'm saying? It's easy to come in at a point after we done did the legwork and made some superstars and say, hey, we want to manage these guys. Like, yeah, here you go. You're welcome. You know what I'm saying? Like, and now, and now we want to assign us. So we're, <laughs> we're going to point out how you guys ain't doing a good job. <laughs> you feel me? So, you know, like, but hey, you know, I mean, we've obviously, you know, um, done quite well for ourselves. Yeah, no, no. I, I mean, you guys, I think you guys persevere, number one, which what's usually interesting about those type of things is that um, you see the and fans, it, the, the fans are always going to be pro artists. So, no, and that's the crazy thing. And, you know, like Uzi never said what the problem was, like with the deal. He just said they won't let me drop. Like there was never like people were making it out to be something like making up their own uh, visions of what what was wrong or what what the issues were personal the contract or so forth but like he all he said was they won't let me put no music out and we was always like what we we don't we don't succeed if you don't put any music out like we want you to drop so there never never did it ever come about like what what there was an issue of that was a that's a ridiculous concept that only fans could believe because it's like yo they love and they run can't with make money unless he puts out music but we don't want him to put out music yeah. so we don't want to make money like like we're fighting to not make money so ridiculous concept but people obviously believe that um you know eventually you know all was well and 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 that's good um how did you know everything kind of come back together because I do know uh, working on music afterwards. Oh, or I don't even know how the timeline really goes. Uh, you know, you and Don Cannon definitely were involved in helping him, like, you know, find those pockets that he could succeed in definitely musically. So how did how did um that kind of come back together? Because at, at one point, 
I remember there was just stuff on social media. I'm like, oh, this is beef. I'm like, this is like one of those things if they see each other, like, yo. On social media, you mean on fucking academics, nigga. Yeah, of course I was posting. <laughs> oh, I was posting. I was posting the shit. Like, yo, what? Yeah. He was trolling the shit out of you. Oh, yeah, he was. He's a, he was a troll. He definitely was trolling the shit out of me. And, you know, I, I, roll, I roll with the punches. You know, I my, my comments used to get flooded with all types of shit. Um, I mean, honestly, time healed a lot of it, you know, and the, the success that we had, you know, going forward. Like, you know, Jack Harlow was signed to the label and we we put out a a, a hit record called What's Poppin'. And, you know, then it was like the tables seemed as if they were turning. Like, oh, okay, these guys actually do know what they're doing. And wait a minute, all, all of this doesn't add up if this is going well. And then they had the success over here with this before. So, you know, with all that happening and then, you know, we honestly just like, we all wound up running into each other at award shows and gatherings. And it was like, it was no real issue. You know what I'm saying? It was just, it, it, it wasn't anything to really stand on that we had did wrong for sure. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, thankfully after, you know, the, that space, um, you know, we got over that hump, you know, Canon and Vert got back in the studio and got back to work. And, you know, they all, those, those were the two, like, within us like like lake was literally like you know very influential and impactful when it came to like managing Bert's business and you know his touring and getting him to a certain level and canon was like right there when it came to his sound and you know how they created and and got into those pockets so you know that he him definitely getting back in there and working was uh was a blessing to, to have and to see Help me either dispel or confirm one of my narratives. I think I think maybe I made this up, but it's a narrative I definitely believe. I said the moment because I remember kind of when the turmoil started. I I said the moment that Uzi probably looked up on the blogs and he was just like, "Yo, EXO tour life made what?" It was like, "Yo, of course you're gonna be beefing." Like I can't be cool after that. You know what I mean? Because again, th that was such a huge song, right? And and I was just thinking. Maybe he was just like, yo, maybe I deserve more. That, that's every artist, though. So I just thought that's exactly when the beef start. I always try to pinpoint things. Yeah, nah, I, for real, for real, the timeline, really, he started putting, like, little jabs and stuff out before that. Like, a lot of it really came in when the fans were asking for the music. And they were like, where's the music? Where's the music? And what's the best thing to do is point the finger at somebody. So, you know, he started, you know, going on social media and pointing the finger, I think, directly at me first. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, there's an old guy over there, you know, who's holding up my music. And, you know, I'm going to let you guys figure out who it is. So, obviously, that, that narrative kind of started it. And I think that's where a lot of it initiated from, just kind of like, the pressure of having to drop the music and needing someone to point the finger at and blame for it. Um, the EXO tour life thing. I remember when that came out and all those numbers and that shit was just, that shit was just flabbergasted like that. None of that was accurate. Like by no means. It, it said the song made like 50 million and he made like 5 million. I, I yeah. That like, shit was all... one tenth of the whole fucking song. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. We did. Yeah. We didn't make 5 million. <laughs> so that shit was cap. 
Atlantic got it. I'm gonna ask them for it. <laughs> now, now that, was, that was definitely interesting times. Anyway, and by the way, I I started I started doing what fans do. I ain't gonna lie to you because I'm that much of a fan of Uzi. Once all of that happened, I'm like, you know, obviously I wasn't gonna like dislike you because you know I'm a fan of you too. But I was just like, couldn't tell. I, <laughs> I see what's going on. You're probably just taking all the fucking proceeds from Uzi. And pushing it to this new artist who fucking sucks. Like, I didn't even listen to the music yet. But I'm like, he got us stuck. But you, like, y'all losing sight of the real prize. I remember that being your narrative. You're such a fucking hater. Yo, you y'all were, like, trying to introduce Zach Harlow. And I don't even care what he said at that point. I just wasn't willing to hear it. I'm like, yo, I, I'm, like, disappointed Uzi if I liked it. <laughs> so I'm like, nah, man, this we're we not feeling this. Focus on him. <laughs> Um, what did y'all see Jack Harlow? You know, like he came to the table very comfortable in his own skin. You know, here's this this kid from Kentucky, this white boy that literally came in to the studio looking like Napoleon Dynamite with these like very impressive bars, you know, with this this vision of being wanting to be one of the greatest of all times, you know, very witty. And again, not trying to be something that he's not, you know, and I, that really like that stood out to us. And he dropped this record called Dark Knight where he was he was like really, really spitting. And it was like we were already interested and already kind of had had started the conversation. And by the time he put Dark Knight out, we was like, no, let's let's go. Like, you know, let's there's something here, you know, and a lot of people looked at us like, ah, what? Like, you know, wait, What's going on? And I, you know, I remember telling telling the label, like, yo, it's not 1999 no more. Like this, we're in a space where, you know, a white artist in hip hop can can live and can, you know, be something great and be something special. Like we've seen enough examples of it, you know, in time, whether it be M, whether it be Mac Miller, you know, whether it be um uh post you know what i'm saying even though i know post is not exactly like quote unquote known as a hip-hop artist but you know in his own he's in his own lane but you know and and not even trying to compare jack to any of those you know obviously the only comparison is their skin color but just in general like he was a dope rapper point blank period you know and he was not trying to be anything that he wasn't you know what i'm saying and i and i love that about him hey what i later realized um you know, I think he makes great music, number one. But number two, what I what I also realized about him that if I wasn't like so jaded by my hater blockers at that time, I would have probably seen. And I'm wondering if y'all noticed when y'all first met him. Yo, that dude has the personality of especially in this new, like just era of, you know, you, you need to be likable. You also got to be yourself you could be odd and different but you got to be comfortable in your own skin he's like it you know what i mean like i, I know he's like in a movie now like i already seen that like, as soon as i i'm like oh oh this guy's like this guy's a fucking star like i almost equated to like it got to be something of the sort where not only just you understand the musical talent that he has but it's kind of like when i remember wayne always talks about when he met drake and he was just like yo listen you're like everything i probably could never even be because mm -hmm you're in this other realm and and i see a lot of that with jack Thanks. i'm gonna be i saw it back then we did 
I mean, I again, like, just watching how quick on his toes he was, just in conversations, how witty he was, like, that, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, this guy's quick on his toes. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you watch him in interviews, like, you know, his level of humor or just, like, his his response game, like, you know, that, that shit goes a long way. And, you know, we're in a, 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 a day and age where, like, artist development or how artists handle interviews, like, you know, they're not always – you can tell when someone is 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 not seasoned in a sense. And he just was like almost seasoned from the beginning. You know what I mean? So the first time he went and did Saturday Night Live where he was uh, a musical guest, I literally remember saying and thinking like, yo, the next time he does Saturday Night Live, he's going to be hosting Saturday Night Live. Like mm. you know, I saw that he had that in him, you know what I mean? Outside of just a music career, just, you know, being like all around like you know he's like you know i, I compare him like justin timberlake bro like you know he's like he's he's ever he's he's the full package yeah i think he might even be a little bit cooler than justin timberlake yeah no i, I think i think he's him like i think he's he's a he's he's gonna be a star for you know for future and more hey no, no i agree which one of y'all told him after Drake sent back that fire ass verse, you'd be like, yo, listen, yo, try to match him. Which one y'all told him that? He he already was gonna add some bars to it. Really? So you know, it leaked. So we were obviously super upset about the leak. So even before the leak, I just don't like that leak. Um, I don't, I don't, I have no fucking idea. Yo, we're in like 2023, like it's like should be no leaks. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I, I Nobody had it in their phone except us, Jack, and Drake. So I don't know. Oh, Drake sent it to a ting. Clearly. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Clearly, man. Oh shit. I and then um like how did that record cut? Was it just both of them that just kind of connected? Did you, they were, did you have a relationship they were, with Drake? You said what? I said, how did that record even get like put together? Was it they they just connected organically or did you put it together? No, nah, they established their own relationship. That was that was organic on their own. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, they had um they had met in Atlanta um one time at this spot called the Gathering Spot. And I think like Drake approached Jack and you know told him like, you know, I see you, like, you know, your shit's dope. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, Jack being a huge Drake fan, that meant a lot to him. And then when you remember when the videos came out of like Jack Rama when he was like 13 or or 14, yeah. and then like Drake uh, commented on that. And then you know from there they just they they established uh, their own relationship and repertoire. And you know Jack would have a show in Toronto, and and Drake would come out and sh and show love and support. And they went to uh, I think Turks. While Drake was out there working and, you know, Jack played the beat for Drake. It was a boy one to beat. And he said they literally just right there did the record on the spot, you know, and J Drake went crazy, like, you know, gave an incredible, incredible verse, you know, and then Jack did his verse. And then when we heard it, Jack was already telling us, like, yeah, I think I want to go back in and like add some more bars. I mean, he was like, yeah, you should. I mean. The boy literally went for what sixty four bars and went insane. Well, I ain't gonna lie, I'm, I give y'all credit and also belief in in, in um Jack. 
A lot of niggas would have said, listen, we throw you at the end of the song. Keeping you're not about to rap for three minutes, then Drake comes on. Like, come on, you know the DJ's gotta play this, baby. Come on, what you got going on? Right? No, but 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 also I heard some ridiculous story from Yaya. He did that shit in like 13 minutes. He did, I think he did bang it right out. Like he did it in the night for sure. Shit. And yeah. also, I never thought that would happen because nigga, weren't you beefing with Drake? Y'all were we, beefing. Yeah, we had some issues. How did that get settled? Um, Tom, you know, conversations, you know, niggas move on. Did, did who approached you? Like, how, how did that, like, even that first conversation after, you know, that long while happened? Well, the first, the first conversation was when him and Meek first made up. I was in 4040 with Meek and I told that nigga, yo, call that nigga right now. Cause you got me into this shit. <laughs> you did that? Definitely. Yeah. I said, FaceTime that nigga right now. Yo, put him on the phone. <laughs> Yo, I've, I've been the person that somebody hates. I, like two people hate each other and I'm the ancillary dude being hate, hated and they make up and they still hate me. And I'll be like, yo, you hanging with the nigga now? Like, you, you know, he hated me for you. Bro, like that's how that's how I felt. Like, nigga, you got me in this shit, man. Call that nigga right now. So, and I think it was like his birthday at the time, and you know, like we, he Meek Facetimed him, and we just we chopped it up. We like laughed, had some laughs, and what have you. And then you know, but a, a lot of this was behind the scenes, so like people didn't know that we, you know. You know, the, the public still looked at it as if we had this ongoing beef, you know what I'm saying? And even after that, we had spoken like, you know, just through conversations, just on some rap shit. Like, you know, when Jack put out a, a record with the Tiller record, like Drake had hit me like, yo, damn, that beat is fire. I wish I had that beat, you know, or something of that, something of that sort of just showing love, you know what I'm saying? And then, um, you know, but again, like this was just, this was conversations between me and him so um when when the like when the the relationship with with jack and, and drake started to come about you know i even used to see comments like about about me and him his issues and i was like yo y'all gotta put this shit to bed like we men do been past that like ain't, there's no issue you know what i'm saying let that let that relationship be what it is and like let's Let's stop this narrative that me and Drake have beef. Like, you know, we definitely had our differences. We definitely went through the whole, like, Meek and Drake situation and whatnot. But, like, it's literally, it's been 10 years since then. Yeah, time does heal all, man. Time heals. It it, it, it um it, it allows people just to be like, you know, I'm over it, right? And, and I'm glad that those situations got mended. You do owe, owe my man an apology, though. Which one? Quinn Miller. I owe him an apology? Yeah. I, I feel like he's the only victim in it. Everybody's doing well. Everybody's cool dapping it up. I see y'all at the Kentucky Derby having a great old time. Meek and Drake popping wheelies together. Every time I see Quinn, he's like, yeah, man, like, I had a chance. Like, I used to work with drama. But, like, I pretty much he just says everybody just screwed me over. And I feel so bad for him. I, I think the whole audience does. I kid you not. Well, just just to clarify, um, I definitely think there are apologies owed to Quentin Miller for sure. Um, I don't know if I would say that they would only need to be for me, but if it makes you feel any better, you know, me and Quentin have like seen each other recently. 
Um, you know, I put it on social media, like I put him on my story, came to the studio and we've even talked about, you know, I asked him if he wanted to do a gangster grills. Really? Yeah. So, you know, I, I would definitely be open and down to doing a gangster grills with Quentin Miller. That's actually dope. See, see, I, like, I think people have been looking just for, uh, a good end to, I think that story ended probably, you know, as good as it could be. Um, you know, no, I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong in your assessment. Like when you when you say like, you know, you see us at the Kentucky Derby or these guys have patched it up. And then, you know, Quentin out of the what four of us or what what have you, you know, it unfortunately, it looks like he got the short end of the stick. So I don't disagree with you on that. And, you know, like, honestly, like even me extending that hand and, and telling him, like, yo, let's do a tape is a gesture, you know, in the right direction for me. You know what I'm saying? For if if I can, you know, do something to, you know, uplift or, you know, be there for for Quentin, like I'm all for that. Like, you know, I'm at the end of the day, like I'm a I'm a I'm a solid guy, you know. I've I obviously in the rap game, you know, I've made some mistakes and you know, we we all live and learn, but you know, definitely like Quentin is a very talented kid. You know, he didn't deserve to get put in that situation you know what i'm saying um and yeah you know if i can if we can if i can do a tape and rock with them like and you know that'll be a helping hand let run it no of course I, i'm glad to hear you say that man hey by the way I, i've always told people sometimes people when they think about how i kind of like came up covering the meek and Drake. bro i tell people that all the time <laughs> that was your biggest come up that, well i don't know why but, you know, what, it was that's what made that's what made you, bro. I, I tell yeah. people that. Bro. I'm glad we agree on that. I oh. tell people all the time, yo, academics real come up was the fact of the way he broke down the situation and the info that he got. That was your coming out party. I covered that shit like it was going out of style. And it was just like, it was, it was so new, to, like that social media era where like, yeah, people could find bits and people they couldn't find that one centralized source. I'm hey. like, come here, baby. I'm I'm like breaking down lyrics. I'm about to take this vacation picture. This is what they talking about. I'm all over the place with it. Bro, where did yo? You had some early intel because that was where I first heard of you, and I was like, yo, who is this nigga, and how does he know all this information? Yo, <laughs> I was most of the stuff was probably just obsessed, like just. Yo, I was also crowdsourcing too. Like people would hit me. I'm, I'm to this day. I still do this. I'm like, I'm always in my DM requests. Like, and on my main page, I probably get like ten thousand a day. But I'm still because that one is gonna be like, yo, this happened last night. Yo, you don't know this, but they'll connect dots for you, and all of a sudden, you feel like so much more to know. I remember just kind of breaking down that whole situation, and and, and and I was just like, that was the. That was the time I felt the most important in hip hop history. Nah, you no. had, you, you was on your shit. I have to tip my hat off to you. We was on tour. We was on the tour bus. And I remember like, yo, showing everybody like, yo, look at this nigga. Like, yo, look, he, he like, he know, he knows some shit. Like, by the way, ironically, didn't know. I, I also believe that's when me and Meek had issues. Yo, I remember having conversations with their team and, and there was just like, I guess it was also kind of validating a little bit of my importance, but it, it felt like they were trying to sway me to be like, yo, yo, you're not covering, like everybody's looking at you to kind of give the info that they could make up their mind on this situation. 
and you're not really and, and, and I remember just also saying Drake's also my favorite. <laughs> like I kind of biased, you know what I mean? But but um yeah, me, Bro, me, me that me, that, like, that situation was this definitely in my eyes what made DJ Academics DJ Academics. Like, no, hundred percent. Hey, but, was, but you know what though? I don't think we've ever seen a, a will we ever see a situation or maybe a rap beef? What what do you think about that in terms of the litany or of um or the history of rap beefs that we've ever had that shit was just so it was so current it was so huge yeah. it was like it was a moment i mean you know it was it was a listen if it happens again i just don't want to be nowhere near it like <laughs> i don't want to be i have no parts of it but um it was you know hip-hop is a competitive sport man you know what i'm saying and like you know i feel like that was that situation was the closest that we had had since what, like a Nas J on that level of Facts. like two giants, you know what I'm saying? At, at this, at that point in their career, like going at it. And like, you know, it was like, when we talk well, about, I used it, to think deep, about it, it's going to be, think, I used to think to myself, because again, like, like, a, I'm like, just a huge fan of like, you know, Drake's music too. I was like, yo, Right now, you're covering all this shit. Because I remember when Funk Flex played them, them reference tracks. And I'm like, if you had gotten them reference tracks, would you have, like, leaked them? And I thought about it. I'm like, I might have tucked them. Like, I might have tucked them because, like, yo, nah. But I don't know, man. I'd be liking a bullshit. Yeah. And then, like, as as you being a fan of Drake, like, the thing that, the thing that I've always said or – and like, you know, I, I think I've gone on record. I, I think I, I might've said this on another podcast, but regardless of references and ghostwriters and things of that nature, like, first of all, like, I don't think Drake's pen should, should have ever been questioned. And then again, like there's genius in hearing an artist like Quentin Miller, who most rappers, honestly, respectfully at that time, would have looked at him like a dorky little kid and not have heard those type of bars and known what to do with them. You know what I'm saying? So there's still like, there's still talent and there's still like, like um, expertise in being able to decipher and, and hear and collab collaboration when somebody like a Quentin Miller comes along and has these fire ass bars, like every, every rapper wouldn't have been able to do that. They would have shrugged dude off. You know what I'm saying? So like you know, I I always look at it like from that aspect too. I'm I'm wondering. Well, I know. So I'm I'm glad you brought that point up. From and maybe I'm a little bit biased because I see a lot of the creation process of a lot of artists, and I've been in studios and I've heard songs and demos and references, and I've seen artists actively, you know, just collaborating and have help and. You know, there was a fairy tale belief that um, artist was just an independent thinker in a room, just like tapping his pen against his head. Mm. And I think the entire, like, the entire scope of hip hop now realizes that collaboration is a thing. You get what I mean? 100%. And as long as you're not like just like literally on some ventriloquist shit, like yo, mm -hmm. I wrote the whole song, just say it like I said it, mm -hmm. or just repeat it like I uh, I, I did it. I don't think people care as much. 
because I've seen other artists where those things kind of came out about and, and or, or maybe I'm just wrong because Drake was just off that level where we're saying he's top five. So we got to care. But I think I think people have kind of understood the creation process to the point now. I don't see people really tripping over the writers thing. back then. It was the biggest thing possible. I just remember it was the biggest thing possible. Well, that's because that was the first time a situation like that had really ever happened, you know? And then like you, there was a, like a purist, a quote unquote purist standpoint of like, you know, saying hip hop is based on authenticity and, you know, what you, what you spit or what's coming out of your mouth pause is supposed to be from you. You know what I'm saying? And then we learned through that, like one, the, the era that we're in now, they don't care about that. You know what I'm saying? That's not, you know, if it was the nineties, maybe it would have been a different thing. You know what I mean? And, um, um, damn, what was my other point I was going to make? Like you said, like, you know, it's just, again, like collaborations and, you know, how people work we see is, is it happens all the time. No, of course, of course, of course. Um, Hey, you, you, you had credited, um, and I think I'm done with all the Drake questions, I think. Yeah. yeah I was, I was going to say, I can't remember when you made a point when you said, um, you said about, um, uh, oh, whatever. It's all good. Yeah. Um, yo, yo, you recently had came out and said that, um, what do you call it again? That, that Omar Epps was the reason you started DJ dogs. Yeah. The movie juice. Oh, okay. Yeah, I seen the headline. I, I really read. Oh, yeah. yeah Omar, Omar Epps' character in Juice was the, the reason why I started DJing. Was he really DJing in the movie though? Or was it? Just no, DJ Scratch was doing his cuts, but he played a, he played a, a DJ in the movie. So that was what inspired me. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, he's in the movie Juice. Most of the shit happened like pretty much at the club. Uh, yeah, but was was he like scratching the shit? In the movie, yeah. I mean, you know, he told, you know, he told me recently that like he had a couple like uh uh scratch sessions with DJ Scratch, was showing him how to cut and everything. And then you know that was like for me like seeing that shit on the big screen. I was like, man, that's what I want to do. And you know, I. I I recently collaborated with him on something special for my album that that's going to be super dope. Oh, nice. Yo, I used to practice scratching in case I used to think that was like DJ battles. You had to like, like, I thought that, it, it, well, I don't even think it exists anymore, but like. It does. I, be, it still does. There's still that, that world. Yeah. I would be thinking that like, whenever I was going to be um like questioned about my DJ ability, I'd be like, nah, nigga, yo, yo. We got a scratch battle right here, dog. I have my samples and everything ready. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. But I ain't do that shit no man, law. I even, I didn't even do a, a DJ event since I got up popping. That's crazy. Right when I start covering that beef, man, I'm like, man, I'm from the crib at this point. I'm cooling. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm about to get back on the DJ and shit now. Yo, what would you actually give an advice to upcoming DJs? Because I, I give them my own advice. I, I tell him, I'm like, yo, listen, because I was the kid who went to school, Rutgers University. I'm DJing frat parties all over the place. I'm starting to get bookings at other schools. But I, I just feel like these days with technology, not only like even like like some DJ pools are still popular, but there's not as much um, that still exists. Um, also, 
people use technology to kind of just mix music and people just use DSPs. What advice would you give to an upcoming DJ to, you know, either make sure he has a, a platform or make sure he's just not replaceable? Because I feel like technology is almost aimed to erase the DJ out of the culture. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that, like you said, like creating a platform or, you know, creating a lane for yourself that you can't be interchangeable or making it so that you matter is very important. Like branding is everything, you know what I'm saying? Especially like nowadays, like you said, like anybody can pick up a computer, download Serato and, you know, try to be a DJ, you know what I mean? But, and it's definitely a lot harder these days to to try to make a name for yourself, you know, like I come, I come from an era where, you know, mixtapes mattered. I had physical product, you know what I'm saying? Things, but you know, it's still, it still can be done, you know, like there's, there's going to be more dramas and, you know, Khaled's and, and flexes and clues and musters and Metro boomins. Like, you know, it's going to happen. Like, so um, you know, the well, same everybody you're naming though puts out records, right? Or or a producer, right? So Monster's a producer. Um okay. Metro's a producer, but he puts out records. Well, um well, I was just naming like the top of the food chain, but what about like how do you become like a funk flex? Like if that's even a thing anymore. We're like, you know, yes, he's put out records and he put out mixtapes back in the day, but people just know him for like yo, mix show shit. There's that's a I lot mean, of mix show that's shit. hard, it's just hard work, like. You know, people don't see like the grind that Flex does every day or did when he was doing like clubs every night of the week and on the radio all the time or, you know, doing MTV like the same with me. Like, you know, I got here. I'm 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 in this position because of my grind and because of how much uh work ethic I had and how, how, how much I, you know, I branded myself and made a position for myself. Like, yeah, obviously before you get to the level of the guys I mentioned, you have to create a name or a brand. I'm just saying that it still can be done. And, you know, like study the game, you know, like that's what I did. I, I looked at the ones that came before me, you know, I put my own twist to it. You know, I did it be, for the right reasons. I, I definitely think that's important too. Like if you're doing it, you know, because you want the fame or, you know, you just want the money, like those, those aren't, that's not pure, you know, cause I was doing the shit when I was broke just because it was what I love to do. You know what I mean? And I had a vision. I had a goal in mind, but it was it, it came at from a space of like, I'm going to be doing this shit regardless. You know what I mean? So everything that I accomplished to an extent is extra is icing on the cake. You know what I mean? And I just think that's how people should approach it and attack it. Like, you know, it, it takes a lot of grind and a lot of legwork. Like, you know, I did. I did a lot of fucking family reunions, a lot of, of weddings, a lot of a couple bar mitzvahs, like a, a million college parties. There's a lot of mixtapes that people don't know or don't see that I had to put out every day before the classics. You know what I'm saying? You got to just, you know, trust the process and trust that journey. You know what I mean? Like the shit's not overnight. It's not. Especially for DJs, you know, artists can technically, you know, potentially like start rapping in a year and make a hit record and, you know, be in a good position. Like, you know, with DJing, like it's going to take some more time and just be ready to put in that work. Nah, that's great advice. I think you're right. Um, 
Yo, I mean, look at you, bro. Like you're you're a prime example too. Like as much as much criticism or critique as you get, like respectfully, your name is DJ Academics. Like you started as a DJ, and like look at the platform that you built for yourself. And you know, it might not have been the most conventional way. You know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't the route that I took, but like it 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 was a route that was incredibly successful and like now you have your own empire you know what i mean and that was just by like going about it in an, in a natural evolution like you said like once this started happening for you that's like for me like i used to make neo soul mixtapes like those were my favorites like you know i was like like i used to be in a like underground hip hop just as much as i was into the other shit but once gangster girl started popping I was right here. Like I was, oh yeah, we're going this way. You know what I'm saying? So like, and, and, and that's, and, and again, I was able to double back and then pay homage by doing tapes with little brother or Rhapsody or Childish Gambino, or just recently Tyler, the creator. But yeah, I, I went where, you know, where the success was and you did the same thing and people need to, you know, give you your respect for that. You know what I mean? However, how, whatever type of like, corny ass hate you might get or whatever like you you built something that is like very impressive you know what I mean and like you know that's not to you know you need you need to get your flowers for that you know I appreciate you for saying that um yo by the way I I, I heard um Jeezy say that he said it on Breakfast Club which I was shocked when he said this he was like yo he, was, he said yo um him and you had to squash whatever because it was getting really real and I'm like really real I'm like what like, what does that even mean? I'm like, yo, Java's a nice guy. What are you talking about? Really real. Nah, it it it, it got a little, it, it got a little, uh, little, little, it got real. It got real. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it definitely got a little real. It wasn't as, as nice as of a guy I am. You know, we, we, our issues started to get somewhat complex. So thankfully we were able to put those to, uh, to the side, you know, so all parties could be safe and sound and be family men and grow up and get wise and sit back and be able to smile and laugh and, you know, drink wine together. There used to be a thought, or maybe this is just a 50 cent motto. Do you make more money in times of turmoil or times of peace? I don't know, but I, I like making money in times of peace. Like I've been in enough, drama is no pun intended in my <laughs> career that like it's yeah i've i've I'm in, i love being in a space where everything is great yeah that, that would make sense that i mean sense. but you know like hey like take the raid for an example like when the rage happened to me and i got locked up for mixtapes like that shit made me more famous than i ever was and the type of money that I lost, I was able to make it tenfold from that situation. So, you know, I do understand that concept of what Fifth is saying, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, a lot a lot comes with turmoil. You know, nobody, nobody wants to walk around and have to look over their shoulder or, you know, be concerned about being in rooms where there's tension or that shit's not fun. Like, you know, we're, it's the music business, like, and we all know it's hip hop. So there's always going to be a street element to it. Always. That's never going nowhere. But at the same time, like I like to walk into a room and, you know, show love and, and get love back from everybody in the room. How did, um, you did the, you did the tape, the gangster group's tape with, um, young boy. Yeah. 
how did that come together? Like, who reaches out to kind of get that going? I literally got a call from Young Boy, like, damn near the week of him putting that project out and him saying, like, he wanted me to host the tape. And I was like, man, let's fucking do it. Let's rock. Like, I was putting out um, uh, Jeezy, Snowfall, and Snoop, like, literally the same day. And then Young Boy called me um, week of and, and said he, he wanted to do the tape. And, you know, of course, you know, that's it's NBA Young Boy. Like, I would, he's somebody that people have wanted to see as well as I've wanted him to be a part of the Gangsta Grills legacy. When that happens, do you, are you playing a little bit of A&R to be like, nah, in, in sequencing and like, nah, nah, let's not use that, right? Like, how, do, how does that even work at this point? Because now... You're dealing with like well-established um, artists who pretty much, you know, they're, they're pretty up there in their career, but they're fucking with you because they fuck with the brand. Yeah. But I, I'm not too sure if they're coming to you like, yo, let's help me make this project. They're probably like, I want to release this project through you. Yeah, every 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 situation is different. Like Jeezy Snowfall, like me and the guys were um, pretty involved in the process of uh, picking the songs and sequencing and you know, it was a it was a longer process of us working on that per se in comparison to the young boy, which his tape was pretty much brought to me um damn near complete. I just had to go in and, and do my parts, you know. So every every situation is is varied from the other. Mm, that's kind of interesting. So so you are you're dropping an album soon? Yeah. 31st, March 31st. I'm really like that. My first album in six years. Damn, who's on it? Ooh, Tyler the Creator. Damn. Oh, you probably took records. You got records from all of them then. Wow. Was Vert, um, 42 Doug, Jack Harlow, Lil Wayne, Saha the Prince, La Russell, Moneybag Yo. Damn. Um, Offset is on there. Roddy Rich is on there. Nipsey Hustle, rest in peace. Black. Jeezy, Tip, Simba, Wiz, uh, G Herbo, Mozzie, Free My Nigga Mozzie, Boosie's on there. I got some shit. You even got Boosie? Wait, okay. So, wait, first of all, how many um records? 14. 14? Okay, so clearly with the amount of features you name, you, there's some mixing and matching. Yeah. Give me the... Give, Give me the record that probably has the most interesting cast of characters, or maybe like that that might just stick off the paper in terms of yeah, we got these people on a record. Probably the tip Simba and Wiz record. Mm. Yeah. Okay, I'm wondering how that sounds like. I, I see Ti put up a record recently, and Ti kind of back talking that shit. I think that's what we missed with Ti. I mean, let me Ti talking. Sure. Shit, I got him talking that shit. You talking that shit? Uh -huh. Oh, yeah, and then I got a Gucci, Roddy, and Lil Wayne record. That's fire. Now, that's what I'm talking about. See, I, that, I would have zero idea how that sounds. Yeah, that's fire. Gucci, Roddy, and Wayne? Yeah. How does that record even come together? Um, DJ Drama. Yeah, but, but, like, how do you even get the fucking idea for it? Like, I, I like... You know, I mean, you you get a record, you start putting the record together, you get a beat, you get a hook, and then it's like it's like painting a canvas. Like, damn, well, who would sound dope on this? Roddy yeah. on the hook. Yeah, Roddy's on the hook. Okay, that's good. That's a good formula. Roddy yeah. on the hook. 
Okay, Gucci, yeah, Wayne would Wayne would Wayne would burn this. Oh yeah, Gucci would Gucci would kill this too. Let's 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 go this route. Do you think that's gonna be the um the lead? Um, it's interesting. You know, I just put a record out with Lil Baby and A Boogie called O oh for Me. So that was my like first lead off record for the for the project. Um surprisingly, I never knew that they had didn't have any records together. So the fans were kind of excited about that. So I'm interested to see. I mean, it's a it's a I have a lot of dope records, so I'm curious to see what's gonna, you know, rear its head out. We gotta get your bonus track, man. After after you squash that beef for the um what's, what's it called? Rod Nation. We gotta get your UNJ. <laughs> That'd be fire. They went crazy fire. on that God did shit for Khaled, man. We gotta we gotta get him to do a part two. <laughs> yeah. Who probably been the craziest on on the um and you, you can't be biased and say either Jack or Uzi. Um who went the craziest on on, on the project? Yeah. I probably just say like maybe Wayne or Tyler. Yeah. Tyler. Yeah. How's that record like? We gotta hear it. I'm I'm gonna send it to you. It, it's like a yo, Tyler's like a yo, how is it working with Tyler, man? Tyler's like this great. He's like a he's like a he's like a one man like he's just a one man machine like he does it all like you know production like vocal arrangement spits sings like everything like he's a he's a walking almanac so like when I go in there to work with him it's like literally I'm like an instrument in his imagination of like the picture he wants to paint I was having a conversation about him not too long ago, and I was like, yo, this motherfucker, I don't know if I just wasn't paying attention. That probably is it. Um, but when he dropped Flower Boy, like, he just turned into, like, this fucking artist that could do it all. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, obviously, he could always rap, but, mm -hmm. like, he, he never just, uh, he never struck me as the guy who just, like, kind of like Childish Gambino vibes in a sense, where it's just like, right. you know, he does anything, he's just a musician, he's an artist. Yeah. No, he, I mean, he's a, he's a, a generational artist. Like, you know, I, I don't, I don't feel like he gets his credit a lot. You know, he's one of the greatest to ever do it from California. And, you know, even when we talk about like the last like decade, like when we talk about the, the Drake's, the Coles, the Kendrick's, the futures, like Tyler deserves to be, you know, mentioned in those, in those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes he's left out, but I, I, I think it's becoming more and more about him. And also he always gets like, like award shows recognize the the genius and the artistic talent. Hey, yeah. listen, I'm going to let you go, but I, I do got to ask again, just for the fans. Okay. For the end of this year, are we getting a Uzi project, a Jack Harlow project, both and how many projects? And Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uzi's Uzi's on the way. Like very, yeah, yeah I, yo, that's the no, uh, and I, I mean, I mean it. I promise you. On the way, yo, on the way, I know, I know, it sounds crazy, but I really like, like soon, soon. Like, I'm not playing with you, act. Like, I'm, I'm telling you, soon, soon. I'm gonna like, let, soon. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before September. Absolutely. Okay, all right. That's not soon. I mean, soon. It, yeah, but. I'm I'm telling you, he ain't dropping before May. Like like, let's be let's be very clear. You know what I mean, yo, Uzi been teasing this shit like to keep it Bro, real. And also, I'm not trying to put you in a bind because you might say something and Uzi pushes it back or be like, nah, I'm not ready. <laughs> it, that's and and he's, they're gonna nah, stick he's with ready it. to drop. He's ready to drop. 
By the way, what do you think about I Wanna Rock? Obviously, it's a huge record, but what do you think about Amazing. Incredible. Got a Jersey Club style going on? Shit's fire. Like, who would have thunk? You know, a record with fucking, what, 12 words would That's that. what I'm going to say. Yo, that song is the beat feature. And it was, hey, but when you first heard it, be honest. When you first heard it, did you're like, yo, oh, the whole world going to be doing this shit? Nah, well, I didn't know. It's it, it crept up on us. Did he know? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. You got to ask him. I'm not sure if he know. Y'all got to give me an Uzi interview and a, and a, and a Jack Harlow interview. Me and Jack, we talked about it. Are y'all good? Yeah, you and Jack. Okay, y'all hey, okay, sure. But, but y'all probably got to give him a little, because he probably looks at me as the hater that, that now come back around. Yeah, I mean, he, 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 I'm sure he's not holding on to it too too. Nah, hard. nah, nah, nah. Yo, yo, he's a good dude, man. I, I'm actually rooting for him now. Um, but we looked at you as the hater too for a long time. We was like, really? Cap. Before, we was like, damn, act don't show us no love. Cap. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I used to you see. Hit, you would hit Lake on the side and like show love. Like y'all would have, y'all would have, personal conversations but you would never well, go it'll be about uzi like he, he'll he'll try to slide in conversation about jack after i'm like yo <laughs> what are we doing but 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 wayno used to say wayno used to be like yo you gotta show uh, yeah yeah wayno fucks with jack uh, wayno's generation now yeah, yeah. Well, really i think he just fucks with y'all like y'all yeah. that's, that's our guy that's our guy god damn man yo listen appreciate you um taking your Absolutely, time I know, bro. I know you probably had some good business and hopefully everything went good at spotify um sure. is there anything else you wanted to like announce while we on here um again the album i'm really like that you know uh generation why, that that, title? why the title yeah that's a very cocky title i really like that listen bro like let's talk about my pedigree like let's really talk about what i've done for the game yeah, let's that's, I, I all, the, like, yeah. all the classics I have under my belt. Like, yeah. let's talk about what I consistently do for this culture. DJ drama is really like that. Point blank, period. Oh, let me let me, let me put you on the spot and throw you uh, in one of these kind of damn shit. You know, we were having this conversation about like a versus, but I think Khaled does wash you. Though. Like, you can't fuck with Khaled. Who could you fuck wash? with? Wash? No one washes me. Nah, Wash, oh, uh, uh, are you are you thinking about the clat the clat the amount of legendary classics I have under my belt? Oh we, no, no, are we talking about the artists that I have I on my? Hold on, let me apologize. Let me apologize. So I remember I had this conversation with someone, but it was limited to um, we can't use no gangster girl shit, never. What the fuck? That doesn't make no sense. We're only, we only could use records you put out. <laughs> what are we talking about? Those are my fucking projects. No yeah, gangster. You're girls. right. You're right. But when I was talking about it, it was kind of like, let's let's think about people like you. We're throwing Metro in there. You Metro Khaled, right? And we we're just thinking about like a versus type of thing, like somebody else. I can't remember who. Um, and I was just like. Yeah, you, you got some dope records and like records I really like, but if we're only stuck to the records that you put out, I don't know. But if, if we open it up to um your whole your, your whole like discography with like mixtapes, yeah, holla, holla at me. <laughs> hey, undefeated. <laughs> All right, my man. Um, yeah. So album March thirty first. I yeah. really like that. Yeah. Uh, anything else you, you do want to let people know to go check out? Man, just uh, I appreciate the support, all the love. 
you know, continue to listen to all your favorite gangster girls. I got a lot of projects on the way, but definitely this album, man. I, I want everyone to go give it a listen, check it out, and enjoy it from beginning to end. All right, man. I appreciate you. Fucking post my post shit. Post generation it, now, picture. Yeah, post our shit when it come out, man. Oh, no, no. First of all, first of all, Lake act like I ain't changed my number. He ain't even asking my new shit. So I know that nigga was fake. You know what I mean? He ain't oh, you, oh you, you, you changed your number? Yeah, I did. Oh, give it here. Give it to me right now. I'm gonna call you. What is it? Oh, hold on. I gotta end this recording first. End that shit. (laughs) Oh, all right. She's gonna give it to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Get it from Carol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Call me. Call me. Call me right now. All right. I'll call you right now. All right. All right. All right, right, lady. What is it? He said he changed his number. I changed it. He said he changed his number.